Today's episode is when abuse is in the family. So 34% of sexual abuse is from family members. So today we will be talking with my two sisters, Kalina and Sierra, about our abusive father and all the messiness and dysfunction that comes with that. We are here to share our stories, experience, and give a platform for others to talk about the no-nos. We are not medical or healthcare professionals. Anything heard here is just based from our human experience, and should you have any medical or mental health challenges, we encourage you to seek professional support. Our content isn't suitable for children, and please be aware it may be triggering. So this episode's quote bomb is from Lindsay Holcomb, and her quote is, as research shows, sexual abuse is across all socioeconomic levels, all religions, all races, all ethnic groups, all parts of the neighborhood. Take off the blinders. This is happening in our churches and in our homes and in our families. So before we uh, start talking to my sisters, I need to explain our uh, very dysfunctional family so you guys can follow along. Long. I like to say we put the fun in dysfunctional, and I'm sure there's other listeners that can relate to that as well. So we are uh, all sisters with the same dad, but we all three have different moms. Uh, I, Catherine, am the oldest. Kalina is the next, and Sierra is the youngest. So about a year ago, Kalina, for the first time, found out that our dad abused both me and Sierra. He abused us in all ways, uh, including sexual abuse. Kalina has no memory of being abused, but is working through why she has hardly had any memories of her childhood. So I'm just going to get into some of our family dynamics surrounding uh, finding out that me and Sierra were abused. So Kalina. Hello. (laughs) What did it feel like when you found out that both your sisters were abused by our dad? So the best way for me to describe it is kind of a disbelief. Um, When I first found out, actually, it wasn't told to me verbally. It was actually um, relayed to me through messaging um, from Sierra. And so the best way for me to describe it was I, when she used a specific word, um, I had to keep rereading over it when she was saying, um, our dad was a molester and I thought she just misspelled a word. Um, so literally I just kept rereading the sentence over and over just to make sure that I was actually understanding what she was saying to me because I couldn't understand what she meant by molester. So it was just really hard for me to comprehend. Um, But then once I realized that she really did mean that word, molester, Mm -hmm. um, I was in shock. I I immediately believed her. And a lot of things started to make sense. Um, But in that moment, I knew really that my life and my father, what I thought who my dad was, was no longer going to be the same, um, that idea of him. And that was really scary for me. And um, yeah, I think just disbelief. But I mean, I just knew that my sister wouldn't say that. Like no person who says that their father or anyone that is a molester, especially in your family. um, I mean, that's embarrassing and it's really uncomfortable. So I knew that it had to be true. And it it was hard to hear. It was really hard to hear. Oh, it's a super hard thing to hear. And as a survivor, whenever I'm telling someone new, I always think of it as like I'm dropping a bomb on them, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, I have no I, I know this is going to be a huge bomb. And so I know that that's, for me at least, in letting you know about my abuse, why mm-hmm. I was, Kalina was actually the last sibling that I told about the abuse. Um, and she found out after Sierra texted her that. She called me afterwards and uh I confirmed that I also was abused with her. I also was abused by our dad. You just never know how that bomb's going to go off and how mm. people are going to react. And when it is in the family, right. there's just so much more to lose, right? So much, yeah. For sure. So how it did feel like a bomb by the way. Oh, yeah. It was a huge bomb. It feels like I feel like the bomb dropper. <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> you know like, what I mean? Yeah. Uh so since then, it's been about almost a year since you found had this bomb dropped on you. A year and so, this coming up September, yeah. Yeah. I actually a year. will never forget the day. 
the date will forever be like singed in my mind. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. So how have you since then kind of processed it all since? Um uh the, the first couple of months I would say actually the first couple of weeks I really didn't sleep at all. Um I just kept thinking about my life and with my dad, our dad. Um and all of my memories, like I just had to edit them right? Like, because this person that I thought was like a, a good dad um, and, you know, certain conversations that we even had, like I had to replay every single thing back in my mind and I had to re-edit it. I was like, oh, maybe he meant this. Like just nothing felt real. It was just mm. fake. It was so fake. And then I started to actually understand a lot of like, kind of the dysfunction in our family and why like we had our family had arguments and like there was stuff going on and I always thought that there was something weird going on but I didn't know and it all like clicked so then I also went through a phase of clarity like oh um this is happening this is why you know so and so was mad at this person and that's why like you know the you know the other kids weren't coming over to see dad and it was just and then I felt like a jerk because I like blamed the kids for being like jerks to dad but really dad was like the ultimate jerk so it just was like a lot of clarity of our family for the first time in my life and I have to I mean that's that was like 31 years of my life right that kind of I'm it just it's I don't even have words for it I don't have words for it I'm really grateful for your voice in this being the person on the like hearing your side of being told a thing Right. So I've always been the bomb dropper and I just feel like I know there's other people out there. Unfortunately, abuse runs in families. Mm -hmm. It's very common that can really relate to your side of it. And I so appreciate your voice in this. And I want to say even for me, I relate to you as you're talking about what that experience felt like, because when I hear you say that, I'm like, that's trauma. Like that's traumatic to experience this loss of what you thought. Right. Your life was right. And I think about that as grief. And so when you were talking about that, thinking back just like through my own experiences of that grieving of the loss of what you thought your life was. Yeah, what you thought it was. And how um how just you, intense that feeling is. Yeah. That feeling that of that everything was all of a sudden untrue and you were living in this lie right. that you didn't know about and you didn't understand. And so as you were speaking, that's what I was relating to just in my own experiences, which are right. different. Um, and so I was just like, just kind of curious for you, is that part of what it felt like for you too, is this grieving of this loss right. of what you thought life was like all this time? Yeah. And also you're starting to question like, who you are because your identity is tied into, you know, your family and, um, these relationships that you've made with your family and, and especially with our father. Mm -hmm. So all these ideas of, um, of what I thought was like a good parent or like trying to see now how your dad has affected even just the people that you date in your life, mm-hmm. like everything is just affected in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's so for quite a few months, um, I was in a little bit of a <laughs> turmoil <laughs> with everything. Right. But, so. but I, but I do have to say, um, super relieved to know the truth finally, because mm-hmm. I always knew something in our family wasn't right. Right. I mm-hmm. deep down, I don't know. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that there was something. And so it was really nice to hear. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it's super unfortunate that this happened to my sisters and that's a whole nother topic that I know we will get into. Um, but it was nice to know the truth for the first time in my life. Like to feel like there was an answer. There was an answer to it. Yeah, absolutely. When you just said that you felt relieved, man, that made me feel relieved, Mm. right? Because Kalina, so there's a huge age difference between all three of us. And I'm the older sibling, right? Uh, Kalina had a much different relationship with our dad. She was really close to him. And so when she finally, when when I was able to finally tell you the truth about dad and what happened with me, 
that felt like a huge relief for me too, to not yeah. have to hold. I could hear it in your voice yeah. when you said yes to me over the phone. Right. Yeah. And for me, being the older sibling, I just constantly was worried about my sisters and if mm. it was going to happen to you guys. And I felt like I had, not only was I like being abused, I also had another layer of being an older sister that I was trying to protect you guys. Right. And even as I got older um, and you not knowing was a way of me trying to protect you too. And it felt so, it felt so good to not have to hide that from you anymore. And it also felt for me personally, it felt, I felt a relief as well that you handled it so well. You really right. did. And that was something I was kind of scared of because of your relationship with dad. Right. I wasn't sure if you would believe me. That was another reasons reason that I uh, didn't share with you. Right. I wasn't sure. Because I was so close with him. You were so close. And I was like a super crazy protector. You were his biggest defender. Yeah. And so that was one of my things that silenced me as well. And so um, I'm so that right in that moment when you said you felt relieved, that felt very validating to me. Aww. It really did. So yeah. Sierra, same, same kind of question that we just talked about. How did you feel when you finally came out with the truth and uh, that Kalina finally knew? You told me a couple months prior to Kalina finding out. And so we had that conversation because you knew about my abuse. It's, you came forward after finding out about my abuse. And so... Uh, when you finally were be where you were able to tell Kalina, how did that make you feel? Um, you know, before I even told Kalina, um, it definitely felt like a, just a, a huge weight was lifted off of me. And I just felt like I was finally free from our dad's abuse and everything that has to go on with it. Um, I was definitely nervous to tell Kalina though, just because like you said, she was and always has been dad's biggest defender. And at that time we were kind of on the outs for a few months. Um, just from what had gone on in the past. Um, but I knew I never doubted that she would, she wouldn't believe me, but I knew that it would kind of turn her world upside down. Cause like she said, for 30 years, you know, dad 31. was his, She's like, don't you forget that don't one. Don't forget that 31. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, she had this great relationship with dad and they were always super close and bonded. And whereas me or you, Kathy, we didn't really have that. And so I definitely I was super nervous, but I knew she needed to know. Um, so I was just kind of relieved of how she reacted and everything. And um. It just it felt a lot better after I was finally able to tell her uh, my story. And it definitely was part of my healing process as well, too. Oh, definitely. Coming clean, yeah. being able to share your story is huge in your healing. Absolutely. How yeah. do you guys think, Kalina, we'll start with you. How do you think that finally having all of the truth come out? How do you think that that's changed our relationship as sisters? Um, I definitely think it's made us a lot closer um, we talk a lot more than we ever did, um, before this, um, we're just a lot more open with each other. It's, it's a very, uh, like much more authentic relationship and not, and also we have brothers as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the twins, um, I, the best way, like with talking with one of our brothers, he was like, I feel like this is the first time, like I can have a really like true and honest like relationship with you because now you know the truth. And I was like, yeah, seriously. I, and now everyone is just, it's not fake, fake. It's just yeah. like this. I we, And I also felt that too, growing up, like, you know, when the kids are the twins, um, would, you know, guys would come over and we would do dinner or whatever. It just didn't feel like deep, like meaningful. Yeah. And it, and it, and now I understand why. Yeah. And absolutely. so I, I think now with knowing that the truth, like it's like, oh, everyone's um, has their walls down and we can like really connect with each other. So, um, yeah, it's definitely brought us closer. I agree. Uh, even for me, like not having to. Yeah, I could. I felt like I couldn't share everything. And especially like you said, me and dad have had 
the many years where I wasn't talking to him or was talking to him and I wasn't able to tell you guys all of the truth um, because I'm, in my head I was trying to protect you guys from more hurt or mm -hmm. anything like that. And same thing with our brothers. Our brothers ha were not abused by our dad, but they knew they found out about my abuse uh, when we were 19. So they didn't mm -hmm. know that when I was 19 is when I came out to my brothers about it as mm -hmm. well. And so they knew too. And uh, we talked many times about wishing that we could just be open. Cause yeah, when there's a huge part, when you share a dad and you're not able to be fully honest and there's obvious conflict, it's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so absolutely. I feel, I love that we've been able to this past year, just have super deep conversations. Yeah. All of us for sure. What about you, Sierra? How have you felt like you're the yeah, baby? No. Yeah, I definitely, it's definitely a lot different for me because there's, like you said, a huge age gap between all of us. Yeah. Sierra yeah. was, um, I was 17 years old when Sierra was born. Yeah. So in, you know, it's kind of hard because in the first place, you know, it's not like all of us were, I was that close with any of you guys because big age gap. I was the last one at home. And I mean, Kalina and I, we've always been very close, yeah. but like you guys described, there was always something missing. Yeah. It was just never like a deep connection. And definitely like 110% after telling all of our siblings and all of us knowing it feels like we don't have secrets from each other anymore. And we can definitely for me, especially with the brothers, I feel like we've had like very deep and like meaningful conversations mm -hmm. and we just connect a lot more in you know, we definitely all have this closer bond, yeah. definitely. It's also for me, and I think for you guys as well, it's helped my healing, being mm -hmm. able to be open with, with you guys. And I hope that it's helped your guys' healing as well. Or just oh, definitely. part of even just starting your, especially for Kalina, not yeah. finding out. Um, it's been huge in being able to just heal and talk about it for hours. And yeah, like, I feel like there's some days like, <laughs> well, like talk forever about it right and it and I think yeah. that needs to happen between family members definitely and for me I know there's going to be older siblings or older cousins mm -hmm. or older whatever people listening for me it's super healing to walk through that with my sisters because mm -hmm. that was one of my biggest weights on my shoulders was yeah. them being hurt or that happening to them or feeling responsible for something I wasn't responsible for yeah. right and so for me I it's really helped heal that wound of feeling like I failed them or, you know what I'm saying? Even though that's yeah. not. I think what you guys brought up too is so important about the fact that like as siblings, being able to talk about and share about those stories and kind of like work through them together because um, it's been said for children, right? That children are like, great storytellers but they're really terrible interpreters and so a lot of times when stuff's going on at home and in our lives um as kids like you talked about like always sensing like something wasn't right or whatever usually as a child the way that a child's brain works is to say that's my fault I did something yeah. mm -hmm. there's something wrong I need to work on this I need to fix it like I did something bad children usually interpret that as that it's something with them right right um yeah. even when they it has nothing to do with them and so I think being now older and being able to work through that healing and to work through that process of talking about those things that as a child that you told yourself one way right being able to look at it now it's as an adult answers. and interpret it like you were talking about re-edit is you can look at the facts of your story, but go back and change like your perspective now. Yeah, I think is so powerful that it's a difficult thing, but it's also a really powerful tool people have in healing. Right. And so I love that you guys are talking about that. Me too. I really do. It feels great and free. No, it's nice to have an answer to that like weird feeling that you've always had, but you didn't like this nagging yeah. Yeah. thing that you've carried throughout your life, at least speaking for myself. And then when I found out, I, and then, <laughs> I mean, it answered a lot of questions, but there was always that feeling like, mm -hmm. like you said, like something was wrong. Something like, was it with you? Like, was it you or was it, you just didn't know what it was. And I'm still kind of struggling with that. Um, through this process. Mm. Well, yeah, you still, a year is not very long mm -mm. to yeah. be dealing with that. I feel like you're just out of the like acceptance of it almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I describe kind of that 
first year of, because like I was saying, what you've gone through is also traumatic, learning that everything you've thought in your life is turned upside down. And that first year, I think a lot of times feels like, at least for me and my experience has felt like living in slow motion underwater. Yeah. Like everything just feels like it's moving slow and you're underwater. So like you don't hear or see things, right? It's just like you're there, but it's that feeling of everything being so distant. Yeah. It Yeah. A year, a year isn't very long in that process, but um, there's, you know, there's so much work that you're also doing in that time that you can look back and be like, oh, I've, I've gone, like come so far right. yeah. in this too. Yeah, definitely. So when did you guys know that our dad was different from other dads? I'll, I'll just start with kind of my, uh, when I kind of realized that. So I knew like my abuse started really young and I knew when it was happening, like that it was wrong and that this wasn't normal. I didn't necessarily have those words to it, but I kind of knew just from the first incident that, whoa, something is, is, is off with my dad. Um, and then specifically, I remember when I was in junior high, uh, I was at the softball, I was on a softball team. And my best friend's dad was one of the coaches. And I think I was like in sixth grade or something. And for whatever reason, it just hit me that my dad wasn't like her dad. Mm. And I literally was crying. I started to cry Mm. because her dad was so loving, took so much interest in her, was treated her with respect, um, only spoke kind words to her and he also treated me the same way and I remember sitting there and I guess maybe I felt jealous at the same moment too like Mm. all I want is a dad like that but instead I have a dad that tells me terrible things that doesn't he's the person I need to be protected from and I just remember that so clearly hitting me like whoa my dad is not like most dads Mm. Mm. yeah Sierra, do you have a, a memory oh, like that? Yeah. or I think definitely, like you said, pretty early on, like when I was younger, probably like kindergarten, I kind of noticed like my friends, I'd go over to their house and their dads just, like you said, they, you could just tell how much love he had for them. And I just, I never got that from dad. It was always, you know, demeaning words and you know, he just, he didn't know how to show love and affection. And it kind of got to the point where I would rather spend time at my friend's house than Mm. be at my house and deal with him. Like I would dread just going home because he just, just very abusive. And he, he just didn't know how to love and show affection or take any interest in me at all. And I just dreaded going home every day to deal with that. Oh, yeah. I also remember dad always told me that he loved me, though, all the time. See, he he never did that to me. He never did. Oh, really? I do remember that. And I remember that being a very confusing thing to me. Mm. Right. Those words coming out, but not feeling the, that, but that behavior, but the was behavior not, wasn't yeah. that but confusing. Or maybe you would think love is that's what love is. Yeah. And I and it's I remember weird. in like my earlier relationships when I was younger, like, I just, I love you was a weird thing for me. Mm. It was a really weird thing for me. Kalina, I know that you had a much uh, different relationship with dad, but was there, was there ever a point where you felt like, oh, my dad's different than most dads? I I mean, for you guys, it obviously you noticed at a really young age. Um, When my parents divorced, um, I pretty much lived with my mom. So the only time I would see dad is, you know, summer, which he worked most of the time or here and there, like on the weekends, but I really was with my mom a lot. So when I did see dad, he, you know, he, and I lived in LA, so it was a little bit of a drive. He would come up with his, his wife and they would come to my meets. And that was his way to me, like showing like, oh, you came all this way up here to see my meets. Like, obviously like you care about me and you want to be involved in my life. So I always thought that, um, if I had been around him from day to day, like Sierra, I I probably would have noticed something earlier on, but I really didn't notice it until, um, Sierra and her mom left 
dad. And I think that's when it was like stress was put on him that he kind of, his color started to come through a little bit more. And I noticed um, certain things that how he would like mentally process things, um, things that he would say. Um, he would also do like kind of red flag things. Um, I know you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I'm just like, whoa, something something is not right with his his thinking, his emotions. Um, and that's when I really started to notice that. And that was um, a few years ago. Yeah. And that was before you found out about the abuse from us. Yes. I didn't know anything about that. Um, I mean, Sierra had brought it up a little bit about like some physical, abuse. physical, a little bit of physical and that he was like really mean and he could like yell at them and stuff like that. But you know, nothing more than that. You didn't know the extent of it. No, I didn't. He he always like, whenever you would like come to visit, he was like this totally different person. Like he put on a show for you. And when I was younger, I would kind of get jealous because I could tell that he, you know, like really tried and like, at least from my perspective, like truly try to like bond with you and everything. And I'm just like, well, you know, why doesn't he do that with me? Like, why is he putting on this show for Kalina? Mm-hmm. And why why isn't he like this with me or when she's not yeah. around? Yeah. I- and you would act out and I'd be like, stop being a little brat. Yeah. And so then that kind of started like a weird thing between like Sierra and I'm like, why are you being like, such a brat right now like chill out and- same same with me dad only s- did abusive things when uh i was alone so the the same thing my brothers never were around to know and i always was like super upset and they never understood why i was so difficult so i i have that same experience too um so there is some people in our family uh that don't believe us and as of right now, our dad says that uh, that this isn't true. Mm. Um, the story that he's had from my abuse is that my mom put it in his head. And the latest story... Put that, it in his head or your head? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just that, to clarify. Yeah, no, thank you, Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, that my mom put it in my head to get back at him mm-hmm. from for their divorce. And I then, think he told that to all of us because he told me that like ever since I was little. Like, yeah. He's he played it that so many head. times that, that even my mom, because again, we all have different moms. My mom was like, thought your mom was like the most horrible person in yeah. the world. And because he was yeah. so good at like telling the story over yeah. and over and over yeah. again. So driving home the point that that Catherine was lying and that her mom was lying right. is what you and guys then, are talking about, right. that story. And so the yeah. latest, so his latest story once uh, it all came out that, Sierra came out with her abuse and Kalina found out the latest story is that I, Catherine, am putting this in your guys's heads. So with that, when family and so there's certain family members that are believing dad and not believing us or me specifically. And I wanted to talk about that because that is another super traumatic thing to have happen to you mm. when you come out and share what has happened to you. And when anybody doesn't believe you, that's tough, but especially family. And I wanted to just talk about that and touch on that. Um, I personally have told at a younger age and have experienced uh, very positive reactions from people and some negative ones. Uh, But the family ones, I have to tell you, when I told some people in the family to protect some kids and I wasn't believed, I went into a really dark depression after Mm. that. That was a super, super traumatic experience for me. And so I personally feel like now when it's when there's some family members that are choosing not to believe us, um, it never feels good. I feel Mm. like I'm more prepared to handle that now. But I kind of wanted to touch on that. So Kalina, for you being like both your sisters are being told liars, what's kind of walk me through how you felt when you found out some family members weren't believing us. Well, I was infuriated. I was really like in rage mode um, because it just seems so obvious to me. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me because I, again, um, I had some other family members um, that had gone through abuse and I found out at a really young age. So maybe I was more sensitive to it when I, when my sisters did tell me and I was like, who would want to ever like make up a story about this? How could you not believe them? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And so that really upset me that they, that they were like, 
how, like, how could you, and, and like, they're kids, you know what I mean? Like, why, why would these kids lie about it? Um, so it, it was really frustrating for me. It, it made me really angry. I wanted to just like yell at people and tell them how dumb they are. But, um, I mean, after a while you have to think like, it's hard for them too to process. And some mm -hmm. people don't want to have to process those things. They yeah. want to just live in their little world. Yeah. And especially because these are people that dad, these are his family members, right. you know, and it's hard to imagine that this person, you know, that they, that they love and have shared all these memories with, and they've gone, you know, church functions and I don't know, yeah. you name it, um, sporting events. And it's like, how, how could he, how could he do that? There's no way that he could do that. I also feel like a lot of times when people don't believe you is they're not wanting to be truthful about their life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so them having to accept that something like that is true is making them face stuff that maybe is going on in their life. With. I don't know. I always feel like it's the people mm -hmm. that don't believe always have maybe not the most sincere life. If that's a, They've been living a lie or yeah, I'm thinking of know. one family member in particular. That's just my, like, yeah, that's just kind of what I found in my experience. But well, I think people also find like some of their identity, especially yeah. when we're not really looking at true places, right? That truth thing for our identity right. in their family. Right. So it's like, well, if this is a part of my family and then they take that on to as like right. a part of them and yeah, a lot of people can't can't handle can't that do or it. don't want to yeah. because it's hard. I think that that's a great point. They don't want to. They don't I want think to. that's a huge thing. Sierra, for you, um, you're younger and you for the first time has have shared your story. And so when there was some family members that didn't believe, what? how did that make you feel? And kind of how have you processed that since? Um, You know, at first I was kind of like shocked, like, why would you not believe me? Like, what, what do I have to gain from this? You know, yeah. I get, <laughs> I get, I get to be embarrassed yeah. and for everyone yeah. to know, like, super, vulnerable. why would anyone want? Yeah, exactly. Like, why would I want to tell anyone that and put myself in the awkward position? And, you know, for a little bit, I felt like, oh man, like, I just really want them to believe me. Like, I just need to like, get it through their head. Like, I'm not lying. And it just kind of, it really hurt because, you know, you think of family, family's always supposed to be there for you, protect and you, you and support you. And unfortunately that's not what I always got. And that pretty much that shattered me at first. I was so broken up about that mm -hmm. because nothing like this has ever happened. And for them to say, well, I don't believe you. And, you know, some family members were like, you know, your mom's just putting ideas in your head. I love how it's blamed on all the mothers. I know. I know. Yeah, I know, right? It's, ugh, but it's awful. I think after like talking definitely with like the siblings and everything, I started to realize like, you know, it doesn't matter if they believe me or not. I know my truth. And if right. they don't, that's fine. And I think like you guys said, I think sometimes people don't want to believe it. But in the back of their mind, they do because they start to reevaluate re their life and everything. Mm -hmm. And they just don't want to believe that. And even some of like people that aren't family, like friends mm -hmm. that I told, they're kind of like, well, your dad is like so, so nice and he's such a great guy. And I could never su suspect that. And it was hard for like a lot of people to be like, your dad is so like different. I never would have expected that, but you know, you really never know what goes on behind closed doors. And right. definitely the other thing I, I just want to touch on, on this subject, because I think it, this is a really important part of when the abuse is in the family is different family members, not believing you or even different, just friends, not believing you. But for me, having a, a dad who um, constantly is saying that my mom made me believe it and you know can and now apparently I'm making you guys believe it I kind of feel like that's the most hurtful because even I though agree. he's my dad and as yeah. much as like he he's supposed to protect you yeah as much as he's been my abuser he's still my dad yeah and so there's just this thing about you need you your dad's supposed to protect you mm -hmm. and is supposed to 
uh, comfort you. And I think the biggest hurt for me personally has just been dad denying it all these years. I wish you could just own it. Yeah. Just say it. I remember that (laughs) I was really hung up on that. I remember that I just, all I wanted was for him to admit it. Right. That's all I ever wanted. And I I just feel like that's important for some listeners out there. I do. I I did want to touch upon one thing though. Um, the family members, there were some family members that did believe us. Oh, yeah. And definitely. I have to say that they believed us because they may have experienced similar things within their extended family. Um, and I think that made them understanding, more understanding. They could relate. Most people believed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was more people yeah. believing us than don't. I, I, I definitely. And so I, I'm super... I was super like kind of just so grateful that they listened and that they, yeah, they actually just, they, they believed your guys' story. Um, so I was happy about that. I think you definitely find out who is really there for you also when you tell your story, because I even had some friends who just dropped off base planet and just stopped talking because they didn't know how to approach me anymore. And or as some people that I never talked to, I hadn't talked to in a long time, they were the ones who really like were there for me, showed up and had support. So yeah, you, you definitely def- see who is your true friend and who really yes, cares for definitely. you. Or family that really loves you. Absolutely. Yeah, and supports exactly. You. Absolutely. So what are some, so since with these family members and even with dad, uh, what are some healthy boundaries that you guys have had to put in place to keep number one, yourself safe? from further abuse and to help you heal. For me, I'll start it off. Um, I can't, I just don't have a relationship with dad or these family members that don't believe us because I just can't, that's, <laughs> I can't have a relationship with someone that. It's just more emotional abuse that you, absolutely. that you go through. So what's the point? Yeah. I can't have a relationship with people that aren't going to believe this and are, aren't going to believe my sisters. And so for me, Um, number one, I have a daughter, so I would never, uh, even if my dad did admit to this, I still would never, ever have her around him Mm -hmm. ever. That's Mm -hmm. a good boundary. But even on the phone, like talking to him on the phone or something, I just can't have a relationship with somebody that can't be honest. Mm -hmm. And that's bashing my mom, my Mm -hmm. sisters, Mm -hmm. myself and and me. Yeah, I can't. That's a, I don't, that's continuing the abuse, right? But you did, you did try to have a relationship with him. And I think you did it in a really graceful way for many years. So I, for many years, talked to him, didn't talk to him, all these things. It's very complicated, right? But the reason that I continued to have a relationship with dad, and it never was a good one, was to be able to have a relationship with my sisters because they were much younger than me. Mm -hmm. They had different moms. And so the reason, the only reason I continued to have that abusive relation, emotionally abusive relation continue, relationship continue is so that I could be in your guys's life and to help protect you. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So what about, uh, what about you, Kalina? Is what have boundaries have you put in place? Right now, um, it's just not returning his calls. I, I haven't been able to talk to him, um, Actually, for the first few months, I couldn't even bear to like, I, I, I dreaded even looking at the voicemails that he left me. Um, I, and I didn't have, I wasn't like strong enough to delete them either, but I just couldn't, I couldn't hear his voice. So um, for me, I, I do think through this process, like at first I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to talk to him. I'm not going to be able to have a relationship with him. And I, I still, I do still think that. Um, but I, I'm at a point now where I do think I can have a conversation with him and have like very direct, um, boundaries with him. Like, Hey, I want you to know that I don't hate you, but it's not okay. What you did to my sisters, it's not okay that you continue to lie about it and shame people and say all these bad things about other people. That's not okay in my book. And until you can, admit it or even like get help for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a place for you in my life. And I do want him to know that. Um, just, it's just my, my truth. And I just feel I need to verbally say it to him. Yeah. And 
like we've been saying throughout this episode, you had a very different relationship with dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really did. Sierra, what boundaries have you had to put in place? Um, I'm pretty much the same place you are, Kathy. Um, for me, I just can't allow him to be a part of my life anymore. Um, for a little while, I tried to, you know, get in contact with him, but, you know, just he never wants to admit it. And he just wants to bash my siblings, my mom, all of our moms. And just for me, that's just really unacceptable. And I just can't deal with that. And every time I would have like a conversation with him, it just felt like I took 10 steps back in the healing process. And it just, it, it was so hard. It just took a huge toll on me. And, you know, it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't, it doesn't go, anywhere. go anywhere. It's just, you know, in this, it's the same thing every time. And like you said, until he can admit and get help, which sadly, I think we all know that's probably never going to happen. Yeah. Um, I just can't, I just can't have that in my life. And uh, especially with the family members, um, you know, it sucks because they're your family, but it's just not healthy for you to have those negative people who don't support you and uplift you. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I think forgiveness was the biggest thing for me. Um, you know, I forgave him for what he did, but I can never forget, you know, I still have to have those boundaries in place and to protect myself. Yeah. It's healthy to not be in an unhealthy (laughs) relationship because he's still choosing to act out by denying, by calling you like, like that's still, that's still abusive. It's abusive. It's not, like you said, it's not like he has admitted it and is like changing, right? Mm -hmm. That those behaviors are different. The behaviors are still the same. Right. So the healthy thing to do is to not have a relationship with an abusive person. Yes. Right. So what would you guys tell someone listening that's in a similar hot mess of a family situation (laughs) like ours, what would you guys tell them to give them hope? And what has helped you guys on your healing journey so far? Well, for, I mean, for me, it's a little bit different. I mean, if someone in my family or a friend came and, you know, told me this, um, just, you know, just listen and um, don't ask them like really personal questions, which I did with Sierra, which I feel really bad about. <laughs> um, but yeah, just just listen to them, even if you believe them or not. Just listen, just do that at least, and uh, and then kind of take a break from it and kind of process it because you are gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a toll on you when you have to process something like that. I mean, it did for me. Um, things, other things that I've done is, uh, just talking about it with my siblings, um, my sisters that really, um, has helped me like work through, I don't even know, just work through things. And so that's been really helpful. Um, and talking to, you know, very specific friends that, you know, have other significant others or, uh, other friends that this has happened to, um, in different ways. And so the more I talk about it, with people, um, that I feel safe with, um, the more like the better I feel. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, um, for me, and I didn't, I've been part of this group on and off for many, many, many years. It's, um, is doing like a a group work, uh, through it's a ACL, it's adult children of alcoholism and dysfunctional families. Mm. And, um, I'd like to be more consistent with it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to get back into it, but that has also been, and reading the book has been really, really helpful for me, even if it's just a couple pages. Mm-hmm. And then I keep a journal and I write about the things that I'm reading and how it's like relates to um, some of the things that I'm struggling with and with family dynamics and everything. So those are the, some of the things that really, really helped me through this process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you said that about that group. Mm-hmm. For Is me, that like a like a partner to like a 12 step program or is it a 12 step and if it's a, I'm just like curious about yeah. what that type of group dynamic is. So, um, like, are they available? Yeah, they're, they're available throughout the United States. Okay. It's great. really amazing yeah. because I have moved around quite a bit 
And no matter what state I'm in or what city, like there's always groups. Okay. And That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you again, if, if anyone's interested, I mean, because whether it's alcoholism or abuse, whatever it is, it's dysfunction. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so anyone can go to that. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be an alcoholic or you don't have to have a family member that's an alcoholic. It's mm-hmm. also people that are dealing with abuse in, in very different ways. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I definitely I would if you if if you want to be in a group setting and you don't have to talk, you can mm-hmm. just be there and listening. And it's I find that it's been very, very helpful. That's great. That is yeah. great. Yeah. For, similar for me. Um, number one, it's been God for me that honestly has helped me get through this and finding those safe people that support yes. me and super important. accept me for exactly where I am in my healing journey. And then counseling. I had an amazing mom who put me in trauma counseling at a young age and has uh, continued throughout my life. Um, that's been huge. But what I want to tell anybody that's listening that can relate to this is that no matter how messy and complicated families are mm-hmm. and like for me being the older sibling and feeling all this other responsibility that I really didn't have, but I put on myself, Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. Like heal and deal with it the best way that you know how there's no right way. It's messy. Bombs are going off. (laughs) And so just know that it's okay to heal on your own timeline and surround yourself with people that support you and encourage you to get help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sierra. Um, definitely what has helped me is I think taking advice from, you know, you, Kathy, or our brothers, cause you guys have been through it. And can we just talk about know, how, I'm sorry, Sierra, our brothers oh, are okay. really amazing. Like they're really, really amazing. I just want to put that are, out there. They they're all right. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really good men. And I think for, especially for me and Sierra, I think too, like having like, stand-up men in our life because we didn't have that with her especially you guys didn't have that with your dad right they're like awesome to look up to and I also will say just to piggyback of what you just said that if you come from I know growing up just before I was even 23 my both my parents had been married three times right Mm -hmm. uh just feeling like how how do I even think about getting married? How do Mm -hmm. I even think about having this normal, all I've known is dysfunction. Um, I love that our siblings have done the hard work to end the dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And I just want to give another hopeful thing out to anybody listening that it doesn't have to continue with you. Right. The dysfunction. You can make choices. You have the power to make choices. Absolutely. And I love that about my siblings. Like we had a very dysfunctional life growing up and all of us chose to do the hard work to have that end there. Mm -hmm. It's generational. Yeah. Yeah. We like, this is, we've talked about this several times. We're like, this will be the last generation in in our family to go through something like this because trauma is generational. Yeah. It affects families. Absolutely. And so I agree. We have awesome brothers and I'm, (laughs) I totally cut you off Sierra. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's okay. But I agree. Like our brothers were definitely father figures, at least to me for sure. And, you know, we're there and supported me all throughout my life. Um, even when we didn't see each other all the time. Um, but like I was saying, just, you know, having those people you can lean on and, um, like siblings and my significant other has definitely been a huge help also. And I think just, you know, not being embarrassed about it because I was always embarrassed at the beginning to tell people, but just, you know, letting it all out there and being open, honest about how you really feel and, um, it just helped a lot. And also a book that I read that helped that you recommended a uh, rid of my disgrace. That was a huge help oh, reading that. That was a great book. Huge. Rid of my disgrace by Justin Holcomb. Yeah, that was a great book. Agreed. Yeah. And so I think what I would tell someone who is kind of more and relates to me that you're definitely not alone. And, you know, unfortunately this stuff does happen. Um, cause I definitely felt like, if I wouldn't have found out about your story, Kathy, I probably never would have told ever. Mm, And, you know, it's unfortunate, Mm. but this stuff does go on. And, um, 
you know, just you need to find those people who really uplift you and who support you 100%. I think that's yeah. huge, especially the fact that she probably wouldn't have ever said anything. I know. She she told me that when she told me that for the first time. And Matt, wow, that made me feel so validated that my story matters. Right. You know? And it does. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think people realize that. So with that, I want to just thank you all. So Sierra, Kalina, and Catherine, just for speaking out, for sharing your stories and your experience. And it is courageous and it takes so much strength to do that. And as you share that story and you, your story is powerful. And like you're saying is you, Sarah, you wouldn't have shared if Kathy hadn't have shared. And we start to take away that darkness when we start to bring light and to be able to stand up and speak truths, even if they're uncomfortable um, and to receive healing for that and saying like this happened and there's unfortunately no way you can take that fact away, but you can find healing. And I'm just so thankful that you guys are willing to share your stories and willing to share what you're working through. Cause it's not, it's not comfortable to do and to be a voice for people that don't feel like they can do that yet. Um, and to say like that this is, this strength is is here and like to be able to be a place for people to lean. Um, I'm just really grateful for that. And um, so each episode, we kind of wrap up with just talking about some different resources, which we'll put in our show notes as well. Um, I love the book that you mentioned, Sierra, Rid of My Disgrace. I know Catherine's talked about that before and it's been huge for her. So we'll definitely link that. Um, some other resources are Rain, which is like, spelling rain as if it's raining outside, but two ends.org. Um, D like David two L like Larry.org and the mama bear effect.org are some other resources. And we'll go ahead and have those in um, the show notes and on the Instagram as well. So you can connect with us on Instagram at talking about the no nos. And you can email us at talkingaboutthenonos at gmail.com. And you can find um, just different ways to connect with us. And I just want to encourage everyone to find your safe people. Find those safe people to talk about the no-nos with.